BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to The Daily Break. I'm Andrew Tallman. Here's what's happening today at Newsweek. The future of the sports car. There's just something thrilling about that sound. And that's the point. The sports car comes as an entire package of sights and sounds and smells and feelings that really might be in jeopardy going forward in the future. And part of it starts with that whole issue of the sound because we're seeing a massive transition in our society from the gasoline engine to the electric vehicle, right? And you're seeing whole entire lines of cars get discontinued or converted over into electric. We recently had the announcement by Dodge that they were going to get rid of the Charger sedan, the Hellcat sedan, and the Challenger Hellcat coupe, that those were gone, that the V8 that those sports cars feature is sunsetting. And in 2023, both of those cars and their platform is going to be replaced by a battery electric vehicle called the Charger SRT Daytona. And a lot of people who love sports cars are conflicted about this because on the one hand, obviously the numbers justify this in terms of the torque. I mean, the amount of power that these new EVs produce is outrageous. They are so fast off the line, but it dramatically changes the experience of driving these cars. For example, that was a Porsche. This is a Beamer. And this is a Lamborghini. And this is a drag race featuring a 1,400 horsepower EV Cobra Jet. The Cobra Jet 1,400 with Bob Tasca driving it. Man, that thing hovered the front end a long ways out there. Do you hear it? No, seriously, did you hear it here? I will turn it up as loud as I can. That's it. That I mean, like when you were playing slot cars as a kid and they started, it was it was louder than that. That was a massively amplified version of the sound made by the 1400 horsepower Ford Mustang Cobra. It doesn't make any noise at all. It's in fact, as one person described it, it's like watching a drag race if you were deaf because there's nothing happening. It's ridiculously fast. As you heard him say, it hovered the front end. The car is outrageously fast, but the typical thrilling, rewarding sight, sounds, feels kind of experience, well, that's the challenge. And so what you're seeing in the realm of sports cars is a projected plateauing after a decline of a much lower volume of overall sports cars being sold. Now, there's not that many that get sold anyway. By number, in the United States, there were only about 342,000 sold in 2015, down to 314, then 266, 222, 197. And in 2020, an all-time low of 139,000. That's 1,000 were sold in the entire country. Now it's popped back up to 216,000, and it's projected to be right around that level through the next four or five years. But here's the other side of this equation. The value to car manufacturers of producing sports cars is not selling the sports cars. 
Oh, sure, they sell those, and they do okay, but most people, as you know, don't go out and buy a sports car. Most people dream about buying a sports car, and then they go buy a minivan, <laughs> or they buy a sedan, or an economy vehicle, or something like that. But the value to these car manufacturers of the sports cars that they make, as few as they do, is it captures the imagination, and it establishes them as a brand, the kind of thing that people want to feel like they're a part of, so that even if you're excited about the Toyota GR86 or the Nissan Z, well, when you go buy the Camry, because that's what you can afford and that's what makes sense for you and your two kids, you still feel just a little bit like you're participating in the sports car culture. At least that's what they're hoping for. It's kind of a loss leader kind of mindset for these manufacturers. Also, it captures the imagination of young people who are going to be car buyers eventually, and they want to capture that early and create a brand that you have affinity for, right? I mean, nobody grows up with a big spread poster of a minivan on their wall for a reason, because it's nothing exciting about that. And obviously, we know that there's not a massive movie franchise out there called the moderately not too slow and the sensible six. It doesn't work that way. And so one of the challenges that some of these manufacturers are having is continuing to generate that excitement and enthusiasm for a product that is missing some of the traditional hallmarks of the sports car experience, even if they are wicked fast off the line. And now from the spaces full of bizarre things file, you've heard of black holes, surely. You've heard of supermassive black holes, surely. You might have even heard a song about that, if you're a fan of vampire movies anyway. And you've probably also heard that there's no sound in space. And to some degree, that's true, but NASA is now saying that's, in fact, not true, and they've posted a video on Twitter to try to prove it. As NASA Exoplanets Handle said, the misconception that there is no sound in space originates because most space is a vacuum, providing no way for sound waves to travel. A galaxy cluster has so much gas that we've picked up actual sound, here it's amplified, and then they accompany that with a sound that they say is the black hole at the center of the Perseus galaxy cluster. The sound generated by pressure waves sent out by the black hole that cause ripples in the cluster's hot gas that are then translated into a note. And as you would expect, it's pretty super creepy sounding. That's definitely an odd thing to be hearing, right? It's not quite whales. It sounds like something you would fabricate for the backdrop of a science fiction film, right? So that's the supermassive black hole. However... And this is a big however, like this is the biggest asterisk on a news story you can possibly imagine. That's not the natural sound that's coming through space. No, in fact, that's an incredibly amplified and processed version of the sound. In fact, it's completely inaudible to the human ear. What's coming through gets amplified 57 octaves. That means quadrillions of times loudened in order for you to be able to hear it. Then it gets mixed with other data to kind of put that in perspective. If you had a piano and you hit middle C, well, 57 octaves lower would be about nine pianos away. To put it a different way, the lowest note that humans can hear is about 1 20th of a second frequency. That's how many times wavelengths pass a point, 1 20th of a second. The lowest note recorded out of this black hole is a B-flat with a frequency of 10 million years. You hear 1 20th of a second, this is coming out one every 10 million years. So is that the real sound of a supermassive black hole? 
Or is that just NASA playing with us? Because I got to be honest, this reminds me of the story we did last week about the scientist who put out the joke tweet about the sausage being seen from the great telescope. I kind of feel like if you amplified the sound coming off of, say, my wooden desk or the tires on my car by multiple quadrillions of amplifications, I kind of feel like you'd probably get a pretty wild noise there, too. So even though it does sound kind of weird and creepy, color me a little bit unimpressed until I have context to compare it to other sounds amplified that much. And finally, an interesting note about dogs. As every dog owner knows, when you come home and your dog sees you, they kind of lose their minds, right? They jump up, they paw at you, they might bark, they pant, they just get very, very excited, and they cry. No, seriously, they cry, they shed tears, and now researchers in Japan say they not only know why they're shedding tears, but they think they understand the mechanism of it. Takafumi Kikutsui at Azabu University in Japan writes in a paper published in the journal Current Biology that dogs shed tears associated with positive emotions and oxytocin is apparently the mechanism underlying it. Now, they did this on a very small group of dogs, so far only 22, but they performed something called the Shermer test, which is a tear test, and it measures the animal's tear volume, and what they found is that the amount of tears produced in the dog's eyes increases significantly when they experience a reuniting with their owner compared to being reunited with somebody whom they know already but who is not their owner, meaning that they are actually shedding tears of joy by seeing you. More research shows that when oxytocin solution is given to their eyes, they produce a greater volume of tears, meaning again that there seems to be an activating mechanism of oxytocin, which we know is a bonding hormone produced in the human body after childbirth and when you fall in love, that that might be the mediating mechanism for tear secretion during an owner-dog reunion. So literally when your dog recognizes you, it gets oxytocin released into the tear ducts, apparently, or something controlling the tear ducts, which produces more tears and also generates that happiness sensation that makes them wag their tail and bark and jump up and say, pet me, pet me, pet me. And in a weird, a roundabout sort of way, it seems to validate an expression that you've often heard about people when they fall in love, having puppy dog eyes. That's it for the Daily Break. Be sure to head over to Newsweek.com for these stories and more, including our growing podcast lineup. And consider subscribing to our digital and print editions of Newsweek if you haven't already. Hit the five-star review before you go. It gives me lots of oxytocin. I'm Andrew Tallman. Thanks for listening to The Daily Break, brought to you by Newsweek. Newsweek.